0: Join the Authors' Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello
1: and welcome to the Authors' Corner. I'm your host, Robin Colucci, and today I am very excited to share with you a solution to a problem that I believe many authors face. Which is how do I get PR for my ideas, for my book, for my business, if I'm not feeling prepared to spend four or $5,000 a month with a PR agent? So that might just not be in your budget right now. Or maybe it is something that you could afford, but you just don't want to put that much of an ongoing, consistent effort into generating PR. Maybe you want to just do a longer term, more gradual approach. And it's because of the need for this flexibility that so many people experience that I am very pleased to introduce to you our guest today, Mickey Kennedy. Now, Mickey believes that with some effort and a little money, the possibilities are endless. He is expert at helping small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility through his company that he founded over 22 years ago, if you can believe it, called E-Releases. And he started this company after realizing that small businesses desperately need a press release service that they can actually afford, giving them access to media and to a national newswire, all with a personal touch. So they they not only help you send out your press release, but you can get help to refine your press release as well. Mickey has an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry from George Mason University, His press releases have resulted in articles being published in the Wall Street Journal, CNN, Bloomberg, and many other prestigious news outlets. Mickey lives in Baltimore County with his family and two feuding cats. He enjoys British science fiction and acknowledges an unhealthy addiction to diet soda. He still writes poetry most Monday nights with a group of fellow misfits in Brunswick, Maryland. So I think that you will find lots of helpful nuggets. So I encourage you to sit back and enjoy. Have a good listen. So, Mickey, welcome to the Author's Corner.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: It's such a pleasure to have you. And I was just recently meeting with my team and we were talking about this challenge of Getting media coverage and having a PR firm working for you can be incredibly expensive, but all authors need to get coverage. So, I know you work with all kinds of different small business people, but authors in particular really need help getting coverage. So, before we get into some, I'm sure, would be amazing insights and tips, I would love for you to share with us a little bit about. What triggered you to even get involved in doing this in the first place?
2: Right. So about 25 years ago, I finished up grad school. I did an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. And so I just assumed I would wait tables and write poetry in the evening. And I started waiting tables and I found it physically exhausting. And mentally, at the end of the day, I was so frazzled, I couldn't write. And I'm just like, Well, this isn't the career for me. Maybe I'm built for an office job. So Mm -hmm. I went and worked for a telecom startup. I was employee number three. And one of the many things I did there was write press releases and then program a fax machine with a hundred numbers and hit send. Ah. And they have a this, sense
1: of how old Mickey is closer exactly. to my age than some of our listeners. Okay. But probably still younger. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I
2: st- started having journalists calling because we were publishing telecom numbers and statistics and saying, could I just email the press release over? Cause I had faxed it to them, and the light bulb went off and I mentioned it to my boss. I'm like, Hey, it seems like email is a natural progression from faxing. He said, "Well, someone should start that business, and so I spent the next year contacting journalists in my time and asking if I could send them press releases. Originally, I was going to do high tech sector, and I found that as I was contacting more and more journalists, their beats were changing, and it was not strange for a journalist who was high tech one day to be consumer electronics and then move over to music or something. So I found that my database was growing lots of categories. And so when I launched, it'll be 23 years ago in October, I had about 10,000 journalists in it. And I just offered the service where I would email a press release to journalists. And if we had multiple releases in a category, we would create like a digest and journalists seemed to respond to it. And over the years, PR Newswire reached out to me and said, hey, you should also send your releases through us. And I'm like, I don't know how that's possible. My clients are paying me at the time a couple hundred dollars. And I know that a national press release through PR Newswire's today over a thousand dollars for a 500 word press release. And so we went back and forth. They liked that my customer base isn't A segment that they serve. They rely on salespeople and their consultative sales, and people are buying the $1,000 press release distribution and adding a $2,500 multimedia element, or they're going to Asia and it's a $5,000 charge with translation for that. So they're looking for Fortune 5000 type customers, the larger companies, and they weren't serving small businesses. And so we tried to create it so that it would be something that would be worth their while as well as ours. And so we started scheduling all of our releases for next business day. So that way they have an overnight editorial team that isn't very busy, but has to be there. And that way they could set up these releases overnight and get them scheduled for the next business day. So we just try to create it to be a win-win between the two of us.
1: And so does the client pay you and then you pay PR Newswire? Like
2: Correct, correct.
1: negotiated like rate?
2: Right. So we just act sort of as a co-op of small business owners. We work with predominantly entrepreneurs, small businesses. The average customer is doing three releases a year and they're spending anywhere from 800 to $1,200 to get those three releases out. It's not a price point or a segment that the Newswire would ever reach out to directly. So it really became a win-win between the two of us. And I've been really happy to be able to offer that because it's a really great value add. If you have something that's newsworthy, it can just really go gangbusters. And that leverage that can happen through PR is accelerated when you add a Newswire distribution on top of it.
1: Absolutely. So I'm curious, though, because I'm thinking about when you got started. I'm a former journalist myself, so I've seen it from both sides. and. I know it can make a huge difference, right? If you already have some kind of direct relationship with the journalist, like, so the, even these 10,000 in your database at some point had a direct communication with you. Do you find that you get better results when you send it to the people in your database versus the newswire or like maybe you do both all the time. So it's hard to know. I'm just curious. I would
2: say it's a healthy mix of both. I would say that for a lot of our clients that are a little more quirky and newsworthy, the wire does better for them because it's just the wider net. And sometimes you get caught up in lots of cool little places and things like that, that should normally wouldn't happen with our own database of, of journalists that we send to. But that being said, I always say the email send helps. It's usually micro-targeted. It's much more specific. And these lists of influencers are growing beyond print. They're growing beyond online. They're even incorporating like fashion, for example. Instagram influencers make up a huge opportunity for people to reach because they do review press releases and they accept press releases and they will sometimes pitch something in Instagram and get like 15,000 clicks or something like that, which is way better than many trade publications.
1: Yeah. So that's incredible. So I'm hearing you say like, it's not just for the news media, like PR Newswire is more targeted to the news media, but your database includes social media influencers. I would imagine podcasters of all types,
2: right? and to be honest, the Newswire is doing a really good job of reaching out to these influencers as well. I saw, because I've been doing this for really a really long time, I'd say about 17 years ago or so, I saw the Newswire say no to bloggers and not accept bloggers as reporters or journalists. And so bloggers wanted to get access to these. Logins with the Newswire. Now, the releases are publicly available, so you can always go and sort of search and find a press release. But if you have the login at the Newswire, you can go in and customize it, and you can have it so that it excludes certain keywords, includes certain keywords. You can make it very customizable. And the bloggers were wanting that access. So the Newswire initially was like, no, but they woke up over time. And so now they're very accepting of anybody of influence and what is media is growing and expanding. And I love that the newswire is being much more open and accepting of lots of different influencers and social media and all different aspects of media.
1: That's, a, that's so interesting. I've got backlog questions. So they're in my brain, like competing, like I'm next. So, <laughs> uh-huh. so I'm curious. I know you said you started out writing press releases. Do you also write press releases for your criminal clients? or
2: We do. We actually write about 40 releases a month. And the volume might differ a little bit, but I do challenge people to try to write it themselves. The thing about press releases are is that they're not magic. My background, creative writing, they're not really using a lot of creativity. I do tell people to put a little bit of creativity in your quote because a really good, compelling quote can really save you in a story. And a lot of times, a journalist will look at something and say, eh, that's a maybe. But then if they see a knockout quote, they're like, oh, well, I can build a story around that. And so that's also a great way to save you. Sometimes a press release will inspire a story. And so the journalist writes it, includes the small little company that issued the press release, and the managing editor looks at it and says, why did he include this little company I've never heard of? And he crosses it out. But if you have a very compelling quote, that managing editor is going to go, I've never heard of this company, but I can see why he mentioned them. That's a great quote. And so if you do want to use some of that creative writing, the place to do it is in that personal quote. Outside of that, it's very straightforward. The structure of a press release it's usually written in the third person. It's the facts. It's the most newsworthy element first. The headline is the most important. All the rest of the stuff can be figured out. I always recommend some people to do a search for press release sample or press release template. We have some templates on our website as well at ereleases.com, but just look at it and you should be able to create something yourself. Now, this is a complete 180 from when I started. First book that I wrote over 10 years ago was how to write a great press release. And I really believed that if you wrote a great press release, you could get media attention. And what I found was there's a lot of great press releases not resulting in any media attention. And so I started over the years to recognize that a lot of my clients that are doing well, aren't writing the same press release everyone else is writing. Press release, announcing, A personnel change or a press release saying your website's mobile responsive or we just gave a donation to a charity i love the charitable ones but they don't result in any media attention it's always great to give back but it rarely is reciprocated in media attention so what i recommend is be more strategic for example The media loves data and numbers and statistics. And I've used this with a lot of my clients that say, I'm not newsworthy. And I tell them, do an industry survey, send it out, and we'll publish a press release about the results. Invariably, I get them saying, I don't know who to send it to. My list isn't big enough. And I'm like, there's trade associations. There's small independent trade associations all over the place that don't get a lot of love. And so I recommended this to an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania, and they got an independent auto repair centers trade association to send it out to their members and got over 800 responses. And one of the questions that we asked, and I always recommend this, always throw one or two oddball questions in there. And in this case, we just left the open field and it was just, what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? That was what blew up and went viral. Over 10 auto trade publications picked it up several newspapers, including their local newspaper, which I had warned them that you may not get your customers reading this, but they were looking for links for SEO purposes because their website went dark. It was somehow tied to their yellow page ad. So they had to create a new domain name and they were looking to get influence. And they went to an SEO guy who they really respected. And he says, if you can get links from auto industry trade publications, That will boost you the quickest. And so they came to me with that as their goal. And I just told them, I said, being an auto repair center in Pennsylvania, there's not a lot you're doing that's newsworthy. So we're going to have to manufacture the news by publishing a survey or study. That being said, if you're an author, anything that you can take your book and position it with numbers and statistics is going to be relevant. Even if you didn't author the study, if you bring together a lot of good data that's out there and- position your book in alignment with those numbers, you can do really well. It's a great in and opening in which to anchor your book and your announcement. And that is one way in which you can use data and numbers to work for you.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. And I just want to chime in and say that everything you're saying is absolutely accurate. And I can remember I was a news aide at the Washington Post when I was in college in the mid 80s. (laughs) (laughs) And part of my job was opening press releases that came through the mail and deciding which ones went into the mail slot of whichever reporter. And I can tell you that the vast majority of them ended up in the round file, quite literally in the trash, never were even seen by a reporter because they were like that. Like we promoted someone, we made a donation and it's like, yeah, the Washington Post is not interested generally. So that's all really great advice. What are some other ways that a smaller business or startup or solopreneur kind of organization can get attention from their press release? So I love this survey idea.
2: Right. Another thing that's worked really well, some of the times has been to research your industry for blind spots. Mm. And I had a carpet company in New Jersey that was looking to get recognized in trade publications. It's very much a business that's replicated throughout the US. They're not doing anything that's really unique. But the conversation after five failed press releases was like, you got to give me something more. Who's your enemy? And they immediately said the big box home improvement stores. Mm -hmm. And I said, Are they represented in the trade publications? He said, no, the trade publications are for other local carpet places like us. And I said, well, we could do a big David and Goliath sort of angle here about having to position yourselves against the big box home improvement stores. And they were telling me why they're so terrible. They're like, it's not unusual for Home Depot and Lowe's to use pickup contractors. As long as they're licensed, they may have never installed carpet before ever and they don't care they don't vet them they just
0: <laughs> they just
2: they just say do you have a license and proof of insurance and we've got jobs for you starting tomorrow and generally the contractors who do the work just cycle in and out when they don't have other work going on and so you're not getting someone that even home depot and lowes has much experience with and they talked about all the difficulties of having to come in and restretch carpets that were done improperly and the padding that they use is not great. And so we put all that in a press release and talked about basically how hard it is to market as a local carpet company in New Jersey. And yeah. over 10 floor trade publications picked it up. There were some we'd never heard of before. They must've come through the newswire because they weren't in my contact database. And so they did really well. We continued to milk that marketing angle for the next six months, doing various versions of marketing type press releases. And altogether, they did get some newspaper coverage and a New Jersey state magazine covered them. They got over 30 articles published in a one-year period. And all of it within the last six to seven months of it, because there was nothing in the first five months. And one of the things that they did was they showed me that they had put all of these into a binder And they called it their big brag book. And they said, every time we go to someone's house to give them a quote, we take that with them and we walk through it with them, showing that we were picked up in floor trade weekly. We were picked up here and stuff like that. And they said, we would tell them the same thing. We've always told them that our installers are salaried. Many of them have worked for us for decades. They know how to install stuff. We rarely have to come back in to restretch a carpet. And it's usually a manufacturer issue if that happens. We use a superior padding, all of the stuff that they always said, but they said after showing them that book, obviously more people believe them because they started converting almost 20% more of those things. And for them, they said, that's huge. The amount of money that meant to them was just huge to be able to close 20% more than you normally did. And that's just looking at industry blind spots. Now I can give you an example of a place where it didn't work. I worked with a company that was involved in online security, and they did a press release talking about a lot of vulnerabilities that are out there on every website, amazon.com, Apple.com, there are certain vulnerabilities that are out there and they thought it was going to blow up and be very big. And instead, they got a lot of backlash from their industry saying, we all know this. There's nothing that can be done about it today. So just keep your mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) So, So sometimes an industry blind spot is there for a reason. And unfortunately, you either have to ask around or trial and error to determine if it'll work. But sometimes looking at certain things that are popular or unpopular and talking about them within your industry is a great way to get discovered and to get mentioned. I think that anybody who writes something, if it's nonfiction, is generally trying to present something in a different way than is already represented out there. So that is your end. What is it that you wrote about and the way that you wrote about it and the way that you compiled it, that makes it unique. If you can sort of bring that across in a press release, that's a really compelling thing because obviously it was a blind spot. I mean, I don't think that you're publishing something that you know is already out there. You yeah, know. that would
1: not be the goal. But I'm <laughs> curious because, I mean, it's so interesting to me that with these mom and pop kind of service places, you're having them go for the trade mags, which is obviously not where their customer is. Right. But it's this credibility thing that they can then use with their prospective customers. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Do you also work with people? I mean, I'm just thinking like to help them do press releases that are more targeted to the general mass market media where they might actually come in direct contact with their potential customer.
2: Right. So like last year, we did a pro bono press release for the Dining Bond Initiative. It was put together very quickly just to address closed restaurants because of the pandemic. And it was built on the war bond initiative. And so they created this concept of dining bonds and they made it so that you could nominate your favorite local restaurant. And then they would be asked if they wanted to participate. And if you gave them money, the money went directly to them quickly. It wasn't like it was held for 90 days or anything like that. The money went to them directly and you got a promissory sort of like a gift certificate for making that donation to your local restaurant, it blew up. We stopped counting at 150 publications that covered it. Newspapers across the country, small, independent, weekly ones, the local dailies, all of them covered it. All of the big newspapers covered it as well. Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times. It's great. It's a case study on my website. It just was created to live for a few months to serve And it created millions of dollars in revenue that went directly to these restaurants initially across the U.S., but it grew internationally. So there was international restaurants in there as well. And it created so much goodwill. And the people themselves were going through something that was difficult. And here was something that they could actually do to help. And that did really well.
1: I'm going to bet there were spinoff programs that offered a similar thing because I actually bought some gift certificate type cards for one of my favorite local restaurants.
2: It did inspire a lot of other people just to do it themselves. Them. Some did it themselves. Some smaller groups band together and did things that were more regional. We
1: were kind of brokering it, but yeah, and it, I thought that was cool.
2: Right, and that just gives you the example of that huge leverage you get with the newswire. Mickey's database is great, but Mickey's database isn't that great, so. <laughs> Those were the heavy hitters. I mean, all the food trades covered it as well as like the big newspapers. But what was, I think, created most of the revenue was probably the small newspapers, the little towns where they were able to help their little local restaurant by first nominating them and then being able to give to them. And that's the real magic of something like this that happens. And for just what normally would have cost two to $400, created millions of dollars in revenue. And you just can't replicate that with paid advertising. I challenge anybody, no matter how good you think you are with Google or Facebook ads, you're not going to put in $200 to $400 and get like 10 million plus return on it. It just doesn't happen. But with PR, it can. And that's an extreme. I think in a lot of cases, uh, a really successful client might do a series of releases and maybe get like twenty to forty thousand dollars in revenue from four to six releases. They spent under twelve hundred dollars doing. Yeah. Um, and invariably, it is important to look at PR as a campaign. I hate it when people do one press release and it doesn't do what they wanted it to do. And I'm just like, well, that's a lesson. That didn't work. Here's three or four other <laughs> that's ideas. I mean, you
1: quote tried PR and it didn't work. <laughs> right.
2: It's like it's like. You have to continue the effort, but you also have to learn from the effort that you did. So what was it in this release that you feel didn't resonate? And let's do a hypothesis of something slightly different that might and test that. I mean, there are lots of different approaches. A lot of people in PR are used to the concept of what they call newsjacking, where you just ride the coattails of something that's trending really hot in your industry right now. The problem with that is everybody does it. And so there's a lot of noise. So if you are going to newsjack, there are elements that you can put in place that would make you stand out. For one thing, if everybody is zigging, how could you zag? So if <laughs> everybody's like pro environmental, pro electric car, but if you came across as friendly contrarian saying, I think this is a great laudable goal, but I don't think we should adopt it too quickly because The mining operations and minerals that are used are not environmentally sound. And we haven't solved what we're going to do with these batteries at the end of their life, which is another environmental hazard. And so that's a reasonable assumption, but nobody is really saying it. So a journalist who wants to be objective and cover both sides If they come across your release, they'll file it away saying, when I cover that topic, here's a good person to do the cons of this particular issue. And as a result, you're much more likely to get picked up because there's going to be a lot less people in that space of representing the cons and a lot more people just writing the coattails.
1: That's a great point. Any other newsjacking tips?
2: One of the things to think about when you're newsjacking is, is there a way in which the conversation is so generalized, I can make it very specific. Years ago, the Target credit card breach, it brought out every cyber consultant in the world. For six months, there were people doing press releases about their take on it. And I can't imagine it did much for them. But if you did a press release where you said, hey, are you a small mom and pop retailer with a credit card terminal on your counter? And it says, you could be sitting on a multi-million dollar liability. Here's a checklist to determine if you're at risk. And (laughs) if you were to do something like that and you were just focusing on, say, small business retailers... That aspect, a slice of the pie that is really relevant and really interesting. And you're actually elevating the conversation by talking about one specific aspect of it. And that's another way in which you can ride the momentum of a topic, but make it very specific and niche oriented so that, again, journalists would say, oh, this could apply to all small business retailers. I think I should write an article about this. This seemed like really great tips.
1: These are great ideas. So we have finding industry blind spots and newsjacking. What's another technique that you found to be really effective with this smaller solo? And actually in particular, we can maybe even lean into authors. Like I know authors, you can have as many ideas as you could categories, but if an author wants people to know about the release of their new book and nobody wants to do a press release on the author's new book, unless you're already a brand name author, Right. So what do you suggest to help people raise awareness about their upcoming new release or their new book that's coming out without being, Hey, everybody, you've never heard of me, but I just wrote a new book.
2: Right. I would say just own your own story, be authentic. Don't be afraid to show warts and all I've had Clients that share embarrassing stories. And I'm like, we need to include that in a press release. And their first thought is, God, no. And <laughs> I remember one told me a story about having to fill packages on Thanksgiving day instead of eating Thanksgiving dinner with their extended family. And they said they were all in the garage shoving stuff in packages because they just got overwhelmed with orders. And they were a new mom and pop business. And I said, that's a great story. It got picked up in Inc. magazine that anecdote really resonated with people. So anything that makes you human and can make you better come across your experiences, your flaws, the mistakes that you made that took you to the point that you wrote this book, what is so personal in the book that resonates with you, bring that to life and put that out there. People are so reticent about putting the spotlight on them and about sharing their vulnerabilities but those are the things that really will get you picked up because they are the things that you resonate with i mean your experience as a journalist if you read something that just was heartwarming and a human interest and it also was something that could feed your audience you're much more likely to put all that together and develop an article
1: absolutely and it really is what people remember right
2: people like to feel good and anything that you bring across that they can relate to is going to make it so much easier for the journalist to write an article about you. The journalist's job at the end of the day is to be a gatekeeper. And he or she has to decide, is this worth sharing with my audience? And if you make it such a no-brainer that this is a great story, this is a great experience, this is a cool concept or product or service or book, they will want to share it with their audience. And the audience will often respond in kind. It's not unusual. I've had this happen so many times that people will say, we got like 200, 400 visitors from that press release campaign from a couple of these articles. And that's not a lot of traffic to us, but those people bought. And the one thing they never do is they don't click on an article that inspired them or open a browser and do a search for the company that was in the article. They don't go to that website, find you and then start price shopping on Amazon. They want to do business with you because they have this warm feeling that happens from almost like an implied endorsement when someone writes an article about you. And so they have this goodwill and this heartwarming feeling So they're very loyal customers. The conversion rates are really insane. I had someone actually tell me that he sent some pay-per-click traffic to an article on a third-party website, despite the fact that you can't tag them because you don't have that access to the third-party website. But they said, I just send people to that traffic and they read the article and convert. They come back to me and convert.
1: You can't just write a book and like, Oh, and then here's another thing I did that was great. And here's another big win that I had. And, you know, you've got to share with them your failures, the times that you stepped in it, the times that you were embarrassed and the times you didn't succeed because not only does it make you more relatable, but it makes them believe, well, if this incredible author who's accomplished so much can overcome
0: that,
1: (laughs) maybe I could do it too, right? So it becomes inspiring in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would imagine too, I remember from my journalism days, one of the things you said was getting straight to the point. And I can remember so many press releases that I never got past the first paragraph because it was so irrelevant to anything that it just went in the round file. So say a little bit more about that, because I think there is a tendency to kind of have put in a little too much runway before we get to the lead or really the point of why I should even read this?
2: I think sometimes people feel like I'm not sure what I should lead with. So I'm just going to slowly warm up to number one and then number two, and then here's the kitchen sink and here's something else. (laughs) And I've left all these great things and they could pick the one that they want, but journalists (laughs) don't read like that. Nobody does. I mean, if you look at how you interact with news with me it's just mostly scrolling headlines and maybe i will click through one out of every 20 headlines that i see and a lot of times i just get my information based off the headlines i'm a skimmer and journalists are skimmers as well probably more so because they're having to do so much on limited resources right now so you want to pick what you feel is the most newsworthy aspect you could be wrong it could actually be element number three that's why you do several releases and you focus each one on one specific strategy or focus of interest you can certainly have additional background information in the press release supporting stuff but it's important to lead with that and don't bury it don't bury the lead put it up there front and center get it in the headline get it in the opening paragraph make it very clear that this is why your press release matters and what you're announcing.
1: One little tip I give my clients when they're writing a chapter that might apply at least as a starting point in a press release, but it's definitely a different animal. So I don't want anyone to take it too literally, but I have found, because I do a lot of editing of chapters (laughs) and something I found is that, and this also helps get rid of writer's block too, because the first paragraph you write doesn't have to be the first paragraph in the piece. (laughs) That <laughs> you should keep writing. <laughs> right. What I have found is around paragraph four or five is usually where the point shows up. <laughs> if somebody's just writing for the chapter, so a lot of times if I'm not seeing it in the first couple of paragraphs, I'll just jump down to paragraph number four and I'll be like, oh, there it is. Right. <laughs> and I'll cut it and paste it. And then what comes next is supporting material, but it's not the lead or the core point so just a little hack for maybe it would apply to press releases i haven't tested it
2: right and it's not always easy using press releases to get media attention for books i mean authors have a very difficult time it's easier for nonfiction than it is for fiction but despite that I've had people who are fiction authors get media success, who stick to the tried and true of, I'm going to keep trying different strategies. I'm going to put my best foot forward, and I'm going to write for the gatekeeper. And I've had them break through. I had a self-published author get front page of the entertainment section of USA Today. and That's uh,
1: impressive.
2: It was. What wasn't impressive is the amount of sales he got from it we were both wildly disappointed in the number of readers or people who buy books that read USA today. It was, (laughs) it was just a few hundred copies sold, but he was able to leverage that because he was really demoralized because his local bookstore wouldn't let him do a reading. And I told him take that to the bookstore now and see if they won't give you a reading. And they did. So (laughs) (laughs) But I told him, I said, it's very unusual. And this is a secret for authors. It's very unusual for a bookstore not to take any reading that comes their way because often they'll say, hey, you pick a really slow night and I'll bring people to come here and browse your shelves and I'll promote it and market it and get people to come in. It's like a no brainer for many bookstores. So I told him, I said, that's really strange that this bookstore uh, took that tack with you. But they also might just be a bad day where they got three or four people who are self-published and maybe they did the effort and looked at them and realized this is not a good fit or something like that. In this case, it was a really great book and it did ended up doing pretty well. But the USA Today thing was like a big kudo that sounded better than the results. He got a couple of minor newspapers, picked it up, and those almost sold as much as the USA Today post. Sure,
1: sure. I wrote an article in Forbes.com about this very thing, that publicity is not for a certain cause of book sales. It can contribute to book sales. It helps to raise awareness, though. Publicity and social media are tools really to raise awareness of your brand and your book and your offering. The things that cause book sales are more like public speaking, bulk sales, like actually <laughs> selling books in bulk. Right. And there was another one in the article that you'll have to look up because I don't remember, but, but there's three things that cause book sales and publicity is not one of them. And I think that that is something that people should maybe just get clear in their minds because there's nothing to be disappointed about getting the front page of a USA Today, Sunday magazine or whatever day of the week magazine it was because the awareness that that can raise for you is incredible.
2: Absolutely. Anything that's out there that allows you to be discoverable is only going to help. And the thing about PR is sometimes it can push a book. David Mearman Scott, who wrote what a lot of people consider one of the Bibles of PR, the new rules of marketing and PR. I didn't see this in the print version, but when I listened to the audible version of it, he talked in the intro forward that he wrote this book about PR And he sent out a press release and nothing happened. And he said, (laughs) I can't in good faith continue with this. So he ended up doing more than 12 press releases for his book. And he said it ended up making the book a bestseller. And he said it took trial and error, but he found messaging that eventually resonated And he just was able to keep testing and trying and starting to get more results after learning from his experiences in the beginning. And this is someone who is a practitioner of PR. And you would think that the first press release right out of the start should have done something, but it didn't. And I think 12 press releases, more than 12 press releases is a lot to promote one book. But I also don't have my reputation as a PR person tied to it. So maybe right. I would feel a little bit different.
1: And he, I think he sold a lot of that book. I think he, he did.
2: Sold, like, he read- did. And it just continued to sell. Yeah. He did, like you talked about the speaking engagements and he would speak to companies and the bulk sales and things oh, like that continue to remembered work. I remember
1: the third for sure cause of book sales, word of mouth. Uh. So when somebody says, I just read this book, I think you love it. You should read it. And I agree, PR can help, but as a direct cause, if I had to bank on it, I'd go for the bulk sales or the speaking. If I I, to, I agree. I, I, I think had that to make sure, I was going to sell books or the right. yeah.
2: But that being said, if you have a budget and you're willing to test PR, it could help. You know, and drive sales.
1: Don't because do, I think exactly like you use it to raise the awareness. This is to be the same as social media, right? You use that to raise the awareness. And then if you can also be doing the things that you know for sure cause the book sales, then you can really blow up too, because it's important. It's not that you don't do it. I think it's just more, the only reason I brought it up is because I think that people get unrealistic expectations about what PR is going to do.
2: Right. And I have the weirdest little anecdotes of what PR has done for people. I had one person say that their press release Had an employee who had given notice. And then when she saw the press release they sent, she said, I worked here for more than three years and I didn't know what the hell we did. And she said, I read it in the press release and I finally clicked. And she said, I would like to continue with my job, but I would like to work on this aspect. I think it was a marketing thing. And they said that today, She's like their right-hand person leading business development and growth. And they said for them, she had already given notice, but she's like, how did you guys finally synthesize and put in here what we are about? And there's an about section and she goes, it's not even on our website. And so that's one little anecdote that someone had. I had another person who say that they were declined for a refi of a business loan and literally they sent out the press release and it was about them signing a new major distributor. I told him it wasn't very newsworthy, but they said, you don't understand in my industry, this guy is a big deal. I just want people to know about it. And I told him, I was like, maybe a trade publication will pick it up. He said, the bank called him back and said, hey, I saw your press release here. And I made another call and said, look, these guys are killing it. They just signed the big distributor And it was a name that everybody recognized. I think it was John Deere or something like that. And they just said, we got to do this refi. And so it's just the strangest little things that happen with PR because it is one of those things that gets you on people's radar and you immediately either respond to it or take note of it. And it becomes something that's in the bank that maybe you'll be able to cash on later. You send it to your leads When you have a press release that goes out, you send the press release or articles that you get, share it with your customers, share it with your leads. And maybe that lead will say, hey, this is the tipping point. I probably was eventually going to buy or not buy, but this is a deciding factor that today's the day. And it's just one of these things where it takes multiple touches sometimes to lead to a sale or a conversion. And press releases are one of those ways to get out there and to reach people from media. And it is something that wildly can work. It takes finesse and strategy and putting your creative hat on and trying to figure out how can I make this work for me and try to position it for the audience. What do I have here that would make good story and put that out there?
1: Something that is occurring to me, especially with that story of the woman who had given her notice um, (laughs) and then wanted her job back. But One of the things that writing a book can help somebody do, and now I'm gathering that even crafting your own press release, right? Instead of farming that out, I'm presuming you go over their press releases and do you do a little tweaks and stuff like that? We do. We review it.
2: If something is glaring, we point it out to them. If we have a suggestion, we'll do that. Sometimes we've suggested an alternate headline or just making the headline a little more concrete or specific or throw in some active verbs There's always room for improvement.
1: (laughs) Active verbs are always good. So what I noticed with book writing, and now I'm convinced this would be the same. So I love your idea of write your own press release, because what it can do is make you better at communicating the value that you're actually bringing to the table. And I see this happen with authors when we're working on them on their books with them. But when you shared that story about the woman who had actually quit her job because she didn't understand what they were doing and it wasn't on their website. I guarantee you it is now. on their, right. right. And so think of the ripple effects of that, of, okay, so they were able to describe it in a way that made this woman want to stay with the company. You start to ripple that out to prospective customers because they're going to change how they communicate about what they do from that point forward. Right. And so writing your own press release forces you, and especially with help, with guidance, like you and your team offer, because then you can learn how to communicate more effectively the value that you're actually giving people, which is, I call it a superpower. It gives you superpowers, right? Because if you can communicate the value, then you can do anything.
2: Right. And so many people don't lead with the value I mean, they're so close to it that they don't even see it sometimes, or they take it for granted that the value is all here. It's all wrapped up inside. Sometimes you have to state the obvious and put it front and center and get it across. It's like I didn't have a company mission statement or anything until a few months ago. Someone had pointed it out that we had an about section on our website that was just about the staff. And my story is nice. My staff story is nice, but they were right. So we added a little piece at the front of who we are and how we serve. And it's important because I take it for granted for 20 some years that people would just figure out what e-releases is about. And you have to state it. You have to get it out there and put it down in words. And it makes it so much easier to communicate once you've written it down.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I love that. All right, Mickey. So if somebody wanted to get your assistance with some sort of PR campaign, what's the best way for somebody to reach out to you?
2: Just visit ereleases.com. Our social media is in the lower right. I respond to LinkedIn if anyone wants to reach me personally. But on the website, you can chat with one of the editors. You can call and you'll speak to an editor. You'll never speak to a salesperson because I don't have any salespeople. we have no commissions or anything like that. If we talk to you and feel like we can't serve you, we'll be really honest. Just like I told that carpet company, I don't think PR is going to work for you. But they said, we have a budget to do it for a year. And at month five, I felt guilty taking their money and nothing happening. And so that's when we found the enemy, who's your enemy line. And we're able to use that. So we do try to help we're all about small businesses and entrepreneurs we work with a lot of authors and speakers and experts and different things and we love PR we see it work for people who are strategic and it excites us and for me it, it excites me that for a little bit of money sometimes a small gem can be discovered and Journalists act as curators, and they're bringing to light into their audience these little discoveries. And you could be that discovery, and that could be a meaningful bump in traffic and sales and links for you and your business, your book, whatever it is that you're promoting.
1: Wonderful. All right, so my favorite question to ask, Glass, and I think we're just about at the hour, so I'm going to respect your time, and we're—I'm <laughs> sure we could go on and on, but. <laughs> <laughs> So my last question is, what question should I have asked or do you wish I asked that I didn't?
2: I think what press release for client are you most proud of? Great, And yeah. I would say for me, I had a client who was a Russian entrepreneur who was here in the US and he did releases with me. Sometimes they were okay. They did good. Sometimes they didn't. But all of a sudden, he sent a press release to me and in a special appeal saying, I want a flight on Thursday to return back to Russia. I had uh, got amnesty or something in the U.S. for basically my experience with the Russian mob. And all of a sudden, the court system has said, denied. And now after several years of being here in the U.S., you've got to go back to Russia. And he said he had already been contacted by someone in Russia saying, you'll be dead within an hour of your plane touching down. And so he had spent over $100,000 in legal fees at that point, had exhausted every appeal. The only thing he had left was persuasion through a press release to the media. The Wall Street Journal wrote an article about it immediately on their website. And his local congressman reached out to him that afternoon and intervened. And he swears that I saved his life. He said they had already bought the ticket and he knew the seat number he was going to fly in on a Thursday back to Russia. And he said, your press release saved my life. And I was just like, whoa, that's going to be really hard to beat. And that's over 15 years ago. And it is. I haven't had anything that sort of gives me goosebumps like that. I've had a lot of cool stuff happen and a lot of little anecdotes of really meaningful things, but actually saving someone's life who really had exhausted every legal appeal that they had and really nothing happened until the press release got out there and the Wall Street Journal put it on its website and his local congressperson intervened and was able to get it resolved.
1: I got goosebumps hearing that story, Mickey. See, this is why I love asking that question, because sometimes it just means you save the best for last. Right. So thank you so much for coming on The Author's Corner and sharing so generously with us today.
2: You're very welcome. It's a lot of fun.